Okay, guys, let's, uh, let's get started this morning. Uh, man, man, I've got a good group. Man, i got my talker up front where, he, where the microphone pick him up. I repeat everything he says, so that'd be a good thing. Uh, if you uh, if you have not been here before, we uh, we this uh, this class is being is going out online as we speak. It's going out live. So if I talk sometimes like I'm talking to somebody else, because I'm talking to them. So uh, so you guys know it. And my talker this morning, he's not sitting way over there. He's sitting right here underneath the microphone, so they'll be able to hear him. I won't have to repeat what he has to say. So so anyway, uh, it's good to have you guys here. Good to be here. Uh, and if you're watching us online, we're so grateful that you've chosen to be with us. Uh, thank you for the for the opportunity to to study with you this morning. Uh, we uh, I've got a couple of things I want to talk to you about. Uh, if uh, if you're gonna, you know, we're just gonna start the summer series in June. We're gonna we're gonna have numerous different teachers that are gonna teach teach on. We're gonna each one take a, one of the fruits of the spirit, and we're gonna teach on that every week. We're gonna start it off with a with a with a burger night and a and a movie night for the kids. And uh, so if you're gonna come to that, that's and you're gonna eat, huh? That's, that's on a Wednesday. That's right. And uh, if you're gonna come to that. And, and if, if not, just tune me out. But if you're coming, we need to know how much food we need to cook because we haven't done one of these in about two years. So we've been locked down. So uh, we're going to do hamburgers and potato salads and beans and a whole bit. It don't cost nothing. Okay, it don't cost nothing. 
And then after that, we'll have a movie for the kids over in the auditorium. Uh, I don't know what the movie's going to be, but anyway. Yes, ma'am. It's going to start at 5.30, but we'll probably have food ready before that. We're going to try to start the movie about 6.15, you know, something like that. So, but, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to make hamburgers and, and you know, just, uh, we used to do this all the time back before the pandemic hit. And, uh, you know, we, uh, but, you know, so anyway. And one more thing, uh, we went to see Daniel Guajardo. He's a member here, been a member here for a long time. He's been in intensive care for a good long while, about 50 days now, and uh, not not going well. All right, he uh, he is uh, physically better. Everything physically is better. Psychologically, he's not doing well. So just be praying for that family. Uh, I don't know if his family's going to be here this morning, but uh, uh, you know, it just it just you know it just you know it concerned me. When I went in there, at first he didn't even want us there. He wanted us to stay out, out of the out of the room, and then he and then he relented and let us stay and pray with him. So, uh, but just uh, just be praying for him. It's uh, it, I don't I don't know I don't know what's going to happen. But his, his vital signs all look good. Cord to cold, everything looks good. Things going well. He's been been there a long time, but you know it's his lungs are functioning better. His kidneys are, are working on their own, but they still have a trick too many. He can't talk, and he's uh, he's extremely angry extremely frustrated and it's depressed and not a good combination so anyway we're going to pray we're going to be in john we're going to be in the book of john this morning we're going to be in john chapter 19 we're looking at the at the, the, the crucifixion and the barrel we're going to i don't know how far we'll get but uh, but that's where we're going to be this morning so let's pray and we'll get started father in heaven we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study together we understand the power of the word we understand what it can do in people's lives, and we understand that that uh, that we're going to need to apply these principles to our lives. And we ask Father, to give us the strength and the courage to do that. Father, we uh, everything that's happening in this in this letter from John uh, is key for us uh, for us being able to have a relationship with you. What Jesus did here, and what what is it was written down, recorded for us, is uh, is paramount to our to our spirituality, and. Uh, we know, Father, that this is all real, and this is all true, and we base our whole existence as, from a spiritual perspective on this being true. And we ask, Father, that you help us as we learn these things, that we will continue to apply these principles to our lives so that we can be the very best we can be. We want you to be the Lord of our lives, and we, and we want to act accordingly. And we ask, Father, that you teach us how to do that. Bless us, Father, as we study Bless us as we move forward. Bless us, Father, as we move into this into this community and this world and striving to be the example we need to be the way your son was. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Last week we looked at the first 10 or 11 verses, and, and, uh, and I asked you, I said, please do me a favor. Strive to put yourself in Pilate's mind. Put yourself in his shoes. What is he dealing with? And we looked at the fear that he had. That he was afraid. He, we talked about, a bit about his wife coming to him and saying, "Man, get away from this guy. This is going to be bad for you." And but he, but he has, but well, let's pick it up in verse eleven. Look at what he says here. Chapter nineteen. We're going to we're just going to read verse eleven, and I'm going to move into Jesus answered. You know, because Pilate said he he said I. In, in verse 10, he said, Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Did I have that power to do this to you? And Jesus said, No, you don't. 
No, you don't. He, Jesus answered, You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. And then from then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, If you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which is in Aramaic, is Gabbatha. Alright? You remember, we've studied this, this book, this letter for a long time. But in chapter 1, in verse 11, it tells us before, it said in chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Remember that text? Well, in verse 11 it says, He came to that which was His own, and His own did not receive Him. Here is His own, handing Him over to the, to the enemy, and saying, We want this man dead. Make him dead. And so, Pilate's in a dilemma here. He doesn't want to kill him. He knows this guy, there's nothing against him for him to kill him. But, he's going, but he has no choice. And then the, the Jews say something there that is boggles my mind. But they almost, we are a friend to Caesar, and this king couldn't be a king because that means he wouldn't be a friend. We wouldn't be friends to Caesar. Are you kidding me? It's like us saying, I'm going to be a friend to Satan. And, I'll, and I, will, I can change Satan's mind. No, you can't. Now, he says in verse 14, it was a day of pe preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here's your king, Pilate said to the Jews, but they shouted, Take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked? We have no king but Caesar. These are, these are his people. What did they just say? We have no king but Caesar. The chief priest answered, Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. Okay? Like I, like I prayed a minute ago. Everything that we are hinges on this event. Okay? Everything. Everything in the Old Testament points us to this event. Everything in the Gospels shows us about this event and, and how and, and this, this man as he lived. And everything after that shows how to stay connected to him. Okay? But this event is paramount to us. Everything we're going to worship this morning, everything that we're going to say and do is hinges on whether this is real or not. There's a lot of different ideas about what happens next. Okay? There's a lot of ideas about this particular thing and that particular thing and how they did this and how they did it. I don't care. Is it real? Is it true that this happened? Do you believe that this happened? Do you believe that he lived and he died and he was resurrected on the third day? Do you believe that? Because if you don't, then we got other things to study. I don't, I don't care whether he carried the whole cross or whether he just carried the beam. I don't care. I don't care, you know, how many legionnaires were there. You know, I've, I've looked at all kinds of commentaries over the last couple of days, and they, none of them can, can, can agree on anything. They just can't. You know, one of them said, it's Adam. You know, because of this statement here, he must have carried the whole cross. Another one said, well, their history was, their, their, their methodology was he carried the top beam. Did he carry this thing up to the cross, up to the place to be crucified, to be butchered on it? Did he do that or not? Yes. Which one he carried? I don't care. I really don't care. I just know that he did it, and that he went there. And it says, it says here in the very next, so the soldiers took charge of Jesus. This was an execution team, is what it was, okay? Comprised most of the time of four legionnaires and a centurion. But for this event, probably there was more. Maybe there was up to ten legionnaires, because there was so much chaos going on around it. There was so much upheaval. There was so much... Uh, Revolution in the air. People were angry. People were people were screaming and shouting. You know, 
there are, there are religious people out there that say, well, he fell this many times. I don't care. I don't care how many times he fell. Did these guys know what they were doing when they were when he was handed over to these these soldiers? Did they know what they were doing? Yes. Yes. They knew. We're going to look at some stuff in the Old Testament. Okay. So we're going to read through this pretty quick because I want to go to some stuff in the Old Testament. I want you to see the connection here. Now I've always said that, that if you're reading the Old Testament and it's and it's and it's hard to read, understand what its primary focus is. Primary reason is is to bring you to Jesus. That's what it's all about. It's not about anything else. It's about bringing you to Jesus. Everything there. And we're going to look at some of it this morning when, when some of this stuff comes up. Let's go, let's go on. All right? Carrying his own cross, he went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him with, with him two others, one on one side and, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for this place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested upon it. We do not write the king of the Jews, but that, but this man claimed to be the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes, dividing them into four shares, one of them, but of each, each of them, with the undergarment remaining. This garment was seamless, woven into one, one piece from top to bottom. Let us not tear it, they said to one another. Let us decide by lot who will get it. This happened, the scripture might be fulfilled. That said, they divided my clothes among them and cast lots for my garment. Okay? Now, there are commentaries, guys that say they stripped them naked, completely naked. So as he hung up there, the humiliation of it was because he was he was been beaten and scourged, and now he was stripped naked while he was hung up there, and all these people are standing around gawking at him. I don't know if that's true. It looks here like they left an undergarment. Doesn't it look like that to you? That's what it says. I don't know if they left it on him. I don't know for sure. And you personally, I don't really care. Whether you're hanging on a cross or not. Whether you had five pieces of clothes on or one piece or none, it really doesn't matter, does it? I think it makes, I think the humiliation of the Son of God being hung on a cross is humiliation enough whether he was, whether he was stripped bare or not, or not. Don't you think? I think it was, for, for my, hey, this is, I'm, I'm just grateful he went to the cross. Now, I want to take you to a text. I want you to keep holding your finger. We're going to be right back. But I want you to turn to Psalm 22. I want you to look at verse 1 and just once for a minute. All right? Now, remember... In, in one text, not this one, but in one text, Jesus cries out on the cross. He says, Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's what it means. This, this psalm says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? When he says, for these chief priests, when they're standing there, they're standing there making sure that they're going to do what they want. They're going to kill this guy. And Jesus screams out to his father. Do you think that some of them, one of them, all of them, connected it to this text? Because these guys knew the text. You think they would have known, they would have said, uh-oh, Psalm 22. You think they might have? If I heard it, and I'm not a scribe, I'm not a Pharisee, I'm not a chief priest, I would know instantly 
when I hear that term, I know instantly where to go, Psalm 22. Now I want you to look at chapter, verse 17. Well, verse 16. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircles me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. What is this text over here? What did it say? What did it say? It says, they divided my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garment to fulfill scripture. To fulfill a prophecy that, that was written about years and years, hundreds of years before. Okay? Now, go back to John. So this is what the soldiers did. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son, and the disciples, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. Remember I told you a couple of weeks back that when a person was crucified, it was very difficult to breathe and it was very difficult to talk. Remember I told you all that? Because of the nature of crucifixion, you know, they, they, would, they would nail them usually through the wrist, like through here, right? Not through the palm, because if that would rip out. You know, some, some guys say, well, they, they tied them. Okay, maybe they did. I don't know. What I do know is they nailed them. I saw another guy said, well, they have, a, they have unearthed a, a skeleton. The only one they have that, that, uh, that they know was crucified. And they say that, that from that skeleton they can tell that, they, that they, uh, they nailed their feet not on top of each other but side, but side to side or like this. And they said it would put tremendous strain on your midsection where it would put you, you know, make you twist. I don't know if any that's true. What I know is that they nailed him to a cross with big spikes. They nailed him to a cross. And if, they were, if it was on just, a, on just a, bar, a beam, then they lifted him up and placed him on top of the pole that was in the ground. If it was a cross, then they, then they, then they put the cross in the ground. And, and, and secured it where he wouldn't follow. Truth is, he's hanging on a cross. Okay? He's hanging on a cross. And he's hanging between two thieves, which makes him a criminal, which he and I know he is not. He's not a criminal. What's he hanging there for? He's hanging there because of me, because of you, because of us. That's why we worship this one. That's why we worship. That's why we're going to take the bread and the, and the fruit of the vine. That's why we do it every first day of the week. Because I need to be reminded. Because I'm a creature that has a hard time remembering sometimes. And it's not just because I'm old. I'm just, I forget stuff. Unless I do it all the time. So, and, and Jesus knew that. He said, whenever you do this, do it in what? Remembrance of me. So we're going to take that that little piece of bread and that, that little cup of juice, and we're going to remember what Jesus did. And I want you to remember him hanging on the cross. I want you to remember him begging, I mean, him him wanting something to drink. I want, I want you to remember how painful it must have been for him to experience what he's experiencing, and he doesn't deserve to be there. Now, I know I'm not telling you guys anything new. I know you've heard it all before. I'm just going to remind you of it today. From this text, what is it saying? It says they crucified him. Did they know what they were doing? You bet they knew what they were doing. They knew how to make him laugh for hours. I, I saw where they where guys on the cross would last for 36 hours on the cross. 
you know, struggling to breathe, struggling, you know, and lifting up and down, trying to breathe, trying to talk, and couldn't do either. Many of them, you know, that because of the of the nature of this injury, that many of them, their lungs would start to fill with liquid, and they, they would actually drown in their own liquids in their own body. Pretty horrendous, isn't it? Pretty, uh, you know, when you start getting really vivid, and, and, and I could get really graphic, I'm not going to do that, you know, but... You know, I mean, it's a, it. You start looking at this from from a real life person. What's really happening? What did he actually do? You know, I want you to. I want you in your own mind to go where where you've never gone before. I want you to go to what has actually happened. I want you to see the flies. I want you to smell the blood. You ever been around dead dead stuff? You see. You know what? You know what blood smells like. It's a unique smell. Okay. That you will that you will not forget. It's a unique smell. I've never been around human blood to that magnitude, but I've been around animal blood, and it's different. Okay, you'll know when you smell it. And this place was a place where they crucified people. What do you think's going on here? You think this is a? You think they took them to the country club? They cleaned up the golf course every day. You know, and then they said, "Oh, we'll take him over here because this is a really good place to go." They took him to a place they always go. And they, they took him up there, and three of these guys, and they killed him. And they bled him out and killed him. What kind of place you think it was? Yeah, I, like I said, I wasn't going to get graphic. Well, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't help myself. You know? Because I want you to, when you go over there this morning, I want, maybe today, for the first time, it really means something. Where you really look at it and say, man, this was for me. This this I know it's not my his blood, but it reminds me of what was shit. It reminds me of what's what was going on all those years ago. And he, and if it was only me, if I was the only one, would he have still done it? Yes. You know how we know? Because he did that. He did that with Noah. Remember him? How many there wasn't of eight righteous folk? There was one. One person. So I know that if I was the only one. He, the only one that would come to him on any given point, he would have done it for me. That makes me feel really good. Makes gives me a great sense of urgency to go over there. I want to take the Lord to I want to go over there and worship. I want to worship with you. You know, I want to worship with my family and do this together because of what happens here. You know, look at what happened. He said, you know, and I, I want to back up just a little bit. There's four women that that, that he that he singles out. Okay, four of them. There was probably a lot more, but there was four. Guys, I want you to think about this. Let's say that they had stripped him naked. And they got a crown of thorns on his head. And they got nails in his feet and nails in his, in his arms. And he is struggling to talk and to breathe. And all these people are standing around gawking at you. You got the picture? Not very pretty, is it? Not very precise. Can you imagine what his mother and these other ladies who are really close to him, some of them are going to be there when, he, when it comes time to, to go to, to the tomb. Later, verse 28, knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture might be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. Okay? Now, <coughs> I, want, I, got a, I got another one. I'm not going to ask you to turn to this one. I'm going to turn to it and read it to you. All right? This is in Psalm as well. This is in, in Psalm uh, 69. 
it says in verse 21 of chapter 69 of Psalm, it says, they put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. Now you can go read the whole thing. But this is a connection to, to fulfill scripture. He said, I'm thirsty. And they gave him a, a vinegar-like drink, like a wine vinegar to drink. That's what they gave him to drink. All right? Now, when he had received the drink, well, a jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. Then he had, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Tell me, what do you think? This, I'm going to give you guys What do you think it means when he says it is finished? What do you think it means? Because I got, a, I got a couple of you know ideas that different people said. All right, I think I know what it means. But I wanted to hear what you have to say. And if I repeat it, it's because you're not sitting where Tail is, because I can see it on his face when he's ready to say something. Yeah. But they'll be able to hear him. They won't be able to hear you. Okay? Because the microphones are right here. So, what do you, give me one. Go ahead, Kale. Well, I was, uh, this morning, I, I, in my YouTube feed, I, I ended up seeing this, uh, this marathon runner. Mm -hmm. Okay? And uh, it was during the Boston Marathon. I, I guess it was maybe a year ago or so. And during this Boston Marathon, it was freezing cold and raining. And this was just some Japanese businessman, and he was competing against all the world's greatest athletes, his, his professional teams of Kenyan runners and stuff like that, and he just takes off. And he goes. I saw that. I remember that. Great. It was nuts. Okay, he ends up at one point 2,300 meters in front of the rest of the pack in blinding pain. Absolutely incredible pain, and he gets through the finish line, and it's just right. You know, it's finished, mm -hmm. right? The the pain's over, the, the struggle. I mean, at that point, I don't know if anybody else here has done like long distance running, but at some point, your body is just gone. I have, <laughs> I have, uh, I have made lungs a don't work. I mean, in, in many ways, you could you could equate it to. Uh, the crucifixion, and in fact, in, in later verses, they talk about it being a race. Talk about it being a race. I see that as what what Jesus went. Through. Okay, he goes from the start being beaten brutally. He has to walk the cross to to the site where he's crucified. He has to endure on the cross. Yeah, uh, to be there for that humiliation, yeah. and then once it is finally over. It's He's reached the goal. It's finished. It is finished. Yeah. And he can let go as the big You said something while ago about how, how many of you run long distance. I have made a concerted effort to stay away from that, <laughs> that part of the lifestyle. Made a, I'll run some, but not very far. You know? But anyway, somebody has some, somebody else here. I'm just going to say he completed what the Father had Yeah. Once he completed he had completed what Sid said is he's, he had completed everything the Father had for him to do. But I've got both of those guys. Both the, the, I am finished with this, this humiliation. I'm finished with the, the pain. The pain is over now because I know that in the next moment I'm going to be dead. I'm going to give it up. And everything then will change. And, and it, he's completed what the Father, because he said, tells us in John chapter 12, he said, The words I spoke will judge you in the last day. What he said. He said, I didn't speak on my own accord. I spoke and did, said only what the Father told me to say. And he only did, remember in the garden? He said, I don't want to do this. Please, let's find another way. And he said, but not my will, but your will be done. 
So we know that he's on the cross because this is the Father's will for him to do this. In Philippians chapter 2, it says he emptied himself of himself and took on the humiliation of this to so, so that he could finish what? So he could finish this task, so he could finish the humiliation, so he could finish the work the Father's has for him, so that he could finish the old system of doing things. The old system is over. It is going to be finished. And it tells us in two different places, in Ephesians and Colossians, that he took the old law, the old ordinances, and nailed it to the cross. Took it out of the way. Because all that did was point us to him. Once he is the fulfillment. And I'm, let, let's move on because i got some more scripture in the Old Testament that we need to look at. All right? uh, when that, with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now he's talking about Jesus' death. Okay? All of this has happened over these over these hours. He's, it's over with. It's finished. He does no more pain. Now he's going to go into the tomb. Now, now it was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath because the Jewish leaders did not want the body left on the crosses. During the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, but then and then those of the other. When they came to Jesus and found that he had already was already dead. They did not break his leg. Instead, one of the soldiers put, uh, pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing forth a sudden flow of blood and water. Okay? Now, let's we'll stop right there. Right. This is, this is, uh, uh, well, let me go, I'm going to read the French because it gets to a point here. He said, The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you may also believe. These things happen so that the scripture would be fulfilled. Okay? That's where I want to get to. We're going to go back in the Old Testament again. All right, uh, I've got I've got two or three of them I want you to go through. Uh, I'll, first one is I want you to go. Uh, well, I'm just going to tell you this one. In John chapter one, verse twenty-eight, I believe, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming down the road, and he says something. You remember what he says? Lamb of Behold, the Lamb of God who does what? Takes away the sin of the world. Remember? All right. Now let's go back in the Old Testament. Look at Exodus chapter twelve. We're going to look, start in verse 43. Exodus chapter 12, verse 43. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Now, here's where they're fixing to come out of the prom, out of Egypt. Okay? God is going to rescue them from Egypt. Alright? This is where, and this is, this is going to, this is going to be the, uh, uh, this is, this is the final place that God is going to, going to heap onto, onto, onto Egypt. And it's the death of the firstborn. And he says, if you want to stay, if this is going to be men, women, cattle, livestock, if you're firstborn, and you don't do what I tell you, you're going to be dead. Okay? It's called, it, it, you know, well anyway. So he said, here is what you can do. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, these are the regulations for the Passover meal. It's called Passover. That's what they celebrate. God told them when to celebrate it, what month to celebrate it on, and they're doing it every year. They still do it today. Still celebrate the Passover today. You know, the Passover was to remember what happened way back when, when they came out of Egypt. Alright? So he tells us, here's the regulation for the Passover meal. No foreigner may eat it. Any slave you have bought, brought, bought may eat it after you have circumcised him. 
but a temporary resident or a hired worker may not eat it. It must be eaten inside the house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel must celebrate it. A foreigner residing among you who wants to celebrate the Lord's Passover must have all the males in his household circumcised. Then he may take part like one born in the land. No uncircumcised male may eat it. The same law applies both to the native born and to the foreigner residing among you. All the Israelites did just what the Lord said. Now, if you remember, he told them in verses before this, and you go read Exodus 12, he said, this is the kind of lamb. Lamb or a goat. This is what you do. You take unspotted, unblemished lamb, and you take it, and this is how you kill it. This is how, it, this is how you cook it. Okay? All right? Go read it. I don't have to get graphic. I'll tell you. But there, there's a way to, that he tells them to cook it anyway. But did you see one thing he said there? You see something? Huh? No don't break its bones. Why? Because the animal don't need it. It's going to be dead, guys. What's it going to care if its bones are broken? Because it's pointing up to what? To what's happened on this cross right then when that soldier walks up to him and can't go. Oh, wait a minute. It sticks in the sun. It's dead. Because its bones can't be broken. All right? Let's go to another one. I want you to turn to uh, Numbers chapter 9. And here he's restating it again. All right? I didn't want to give you one text. I'm going to give you more than that. All right? Listen to what he says. Verse 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, When any of you or your descendants are unclean because of a dead body or away on a journey, they are still to celebrate the Lord's Passover, but they are to do it on the 14th day of the second month at twilight. They are to eat the lamb together with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They must not leave any of it till morning or break any of its bones. Here we go again. What do, you, what do you state to them again? Do not break its bones. Because it is significant. Alright? What's it, it's, it is pointing you to something else. You think they asked, well, why can't we break its bones? You think they might have questioned that? You think I would have. Why can't I break its bones? You know, but, he, but they don't. So they said, uh, uh, they must not leave any of it till morning or break any of its bones. When they celebrate the Passover, they must follow all the regulations. You know, and then he talks about being ceremonial and clean. Now, I want to take you to another one. Go to Psalm 34. <coughs> this is a this is a prophecy about Christ. Okay, and just one verse, verse 20. It says he protects all of his bones, not one of them will be broken. All of this, all of this points us to here to fulfill what is happening on this cross. That his legs are not going to be broken. So they stick a spear in his side, blood and water come out, he's dead. And so you go back to chapter 19. And then it says. In verse 37, and as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. Okay? Go back in the book of Isaiah. I know this is a lot, and I don't really like doing this, but sometimes you don't have any choice. Isaiah chapter 53. You have heard this text before. Okay? I'm going to read all of it. And I'm just going to read one verse. I'm going to read it all. 
not the whole chapter, but about the first eight or nine verses I'm going to read. All right? It says in verse 1, Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up upon our pain, our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. What did it say in this text? He was pierced. What did he say? He was pierced for our transgressions. That soldier put a sword in his side so that you could be free and live in freedom from sin. Okay? So when it says this was done that the prophecy might be fulfilled, understand something. That some of these things were written eight, seven, eight hundred thousand, two thousand years before Jesus ever came on the scene. And what it does for me, it just proves to me that the scriptures are true. You know, it just proves to me that, that that only one person was writing them. God was writing them. That's what it says to me. So, you go back to chapter 19. And it said, now we're going to talk about the burial. All right. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by another guy who was afraid, by Nicodemus, the man who earlier had visited Jesus at night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden in the garden, a new tomb, in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since so the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. You know... What was the what was the manner of burial of preparation body preparation for a dead body for them? What would they do? What does it say they did? What does it say? They would wrap them with strips of linen, right? They would add to the spices, spices to keep the odor down. Okay, keep the odor down. So they would. They had, he had seventy five pounds. You know how much seventy five pounds is? Yep. How, right, how, how big, how, how heavy is a sack of corn that you go buy to put in deer feeder? How heavy? 50 pounds. So it's a bag and a half. As we get older, how, how easy is it for you to put a, a, a sack of deer corn in a feeder that's about 8 foot tall? <laughs> what, are you, what are you thankful for? That I got sun ladder. I got sun ladder for me. Because, you know, I'm just trying to tell you how heavy this is. Okay? This is a sack and a half of of 75 pounds. And they, they pack this over to Jesus and they're wrapped him, methodically wrapped him in linens, in strips of linen, and put these spices on and wrap him some more. And it almost becomes a mummy. What happens? And then they lay him in a new tomb. And these are two guys that are doing this, Joseph and Nicodemus. And what did it say about Joseph? And what did it say about Nicodemus in John chapter 3? They're afraid. They're afraid. <laughs> Who are they afraid of? The guys, if they'll hang Jesus on the cross, what do you think they'll do to them? They catch him. So Joseph goes to he knows Pilate. He goes to he goes to Pilate and says, Man, I want the body. 
going to prepare it for burial because Passover is tomorrow. We already know that Pilate knew about Passover. He knew about that. So they take him and they prepare him and they put him in a tomb. And what do they think? All done. Everything's good. We're good. And they leave. Because they don't, any of them, believe what he has told them. What we're going to look at next week is what he told them coming true. He said, in three days, they don't believe it. You tell, you can tell by their reaction they don't believe it. Some of them believe it quicker than others, okay? But they don't believe it. Joseph and you think Joseph and Nicodemus think, well, the next time I come, I have to bring some more spices. You think they maybe have to bring some more linens? I have to bring some more stuff. Do do some more stuff. You think that's what they're thinking? Sure, absolutely. Because they don't understand. It's sad. It's sad that people today don't understand either. They don't understand what the what the next event is going to happen. What does it mean? To the world. They'll find out one day. But what does it mean to us? Everything we do is because of what happens next. You understand? Everything we do is what happens next. Because if, if what hap if what coming next doesn't happen, then what are we doing here? Yeah. Yep. Well, while we wrap this up, but I think it's it's just important to know that Jesus is dead. Yes, he's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Yep. He's uh, dead. It's important to notice that Jesus is dead. Okay. okay. The, the he's been pierced in the, in the side. Blood and waters come out. Mm -hmm. He's dead, and they've just used seventy-five pounds of very expensive stuff to put him in a tomb. That's right. He's dead. He's dead. Next week, he won't be dead anymore. Okay. He's not even dead anymore now. No. But according <laughs> to our text, he won't be dead anymore next week. All right. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>